I ain't even gonna talk over this shit. This shit too crazy. <laughs> we just gonna let it play. Let's go. This week on Yankee and the Brave. Back at it like a crack at it. Mr. Black Magic, crack a beast, magic. Yes, sir. Back like Jordan wearing the faux five. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 18 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel. Thank you to everyone for liking, for tuning in, for subscribing, for sharing, for supporting. I truly appreciate all the love and the support that I have received um, from episode one till now. It has never lost on me how much you guys support and actually listen. It's surprising how many people just listen, you know, um, to the show. And I really work hard. I really try my best to make a show that people would want to listen to. So the fact that I'm seeing the dividends, people listening I'm really, truly appreciative for, and I also want to say thank you to everyone out there who is using their voice, using their voice. Um, I've seen over the last, what, two weeks now, just the outpouring of people expressing themselves with no fear, with no uh, worry about ramifications. They're literally just speaking their minds and talking about shit that's real, talking about all the injustices that they see on a daily basis, sharing personal stories about encounters that they've had, unafraid to just speak their minds and use their voices. And I truly love that shit. Like this platform is designed for me to use my voice, right? So I can speak on whatever I want for this time that we have together. But people who do not have platforms like this, using their social medias, starting websites, um, making blogs, uh, you know, uh, making petitions and sending them around, like literally using their voice uh, for positive, for ch- for positivity, for change. Like that shit is like super inspiring. And I just love that I am have have a chance to be a part of it. So thank you to everyone out there, not just for listening to the show, but everyone out there who's using their voice. I truly, truly love that. And I truly love that I have a opportunity to be a part of it. Um, and I just, I had to say that off the bat cause I see it and I'm just like, I feel like so, so much pride. Like I feel so prideful for our people that this tragedy, you know, of course it's a huge tragedy and in the wake of the few things that we feel like are constants, but the fact that we're saying enough is enough, we're in these streets and we are literally being as vocal as we possibly can. And I just love to be a part of it. So just had to say that off the top. So with all that being said, we are going to have a great, great, great show today, fully packed. 
am in a very, very, very good mood. In a fantastic, fantastic mood. Let's go. So that was Yankee and the Brave. Today's intro by Run the Jewels off the album Run the Jewels 4. Run the Jewels is a group comprised of Killer Mike from Atlanta, Georgia, who I love. I love that brother. And LP from New York, and they've come together to form Run the Jewels. I love their music. I'm a big fan. I'm especially a big fan of Killer Mike. I truly, truly love that brother, Killer Mike, man. And I'm going to speak on him later on. I, but I was like, dang, like, I want to play this song, and I want to have it connected. So I'm glad that it worked out. I have some things I want to speak on Killer Mike because I truly love that brother. And I'm going to speak on him later. Um, but, yeah, if you guys want to download or stream, it's called Yankee and the Brave by Run the Jewels. So, as you guys know, we start off every show with my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the pod, Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know or maybe it's your first time listening, Bronx Facts is the segment I like to do at the beginning of each show just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to show how many great things, ideas, and people come from the Bronx, New York, where I was raised, the borough that I love. So your Bronx fact for today is the Bronx River Alliance serves as a coordinated voice for the river and works in harmonious partnership to protect, improve, and restore the Bronx River Corridor so that it can be a healthy, ecological, recreational, educational and economic resource for the communities through which the river flows. The Alliance works in close partnership with the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation to achieve these goals. That is your Bronx Fact for episode number 18. So leading off today, um, I want to continue in my own coverage of uh, the George Floyd situation because um, through my research rabbit hole and through my just fact finding and um, information digging, there's more layers. It's a more layered story um, other than the same old two-step of a white police officer killing a black man in cold blood. Um, First, I want to read you some things, um, some interesting things that I've um, found on the new site, you know, the New York Times is my is my go to. Um, I'm gonna read you some things from there, and then we're gonna go, um, we're gonna go from there. So, to start, here we go. The anger is different this time. After years of Americans being killed by police, more than 1,000 per year, something has changed over the past week. The gruesome video of Minneapolis police officer of a Minneapolis police officer kneeling on George Floyd's neck plays a role. And so does a pandemic that's disproportionately killing African-Americans. And so do the angry, racialized politics that President Trump encourages. Both a government autopsy and an autopsy commissioned by Floyd's family concluded that his death was a homicide. The experts hired by the family say he was asphyxiated. The autopsy by the county says his heart stopped while officers were kneeling on him and notes Floyd's underlying heart condition. For most white Americans, interactions with the police happen rarely, and they're often respectful or even friendly. Many white people don't know a single person who's currently behind bars. 
But in the black communities, and especially for black men, the situation is entirely different. Some of the, some of the statistics can be hard to fathom. Close to 10% of black men in their 30s are behind bars on any given day. Incarceration rates for black men are about twice as high as those of Hispanic men, five times higher than those of white men, and at least 25 times higher than Hispanic women or white women. The rise of mass incarceration over the last half a century has turned to imprisonment into has turned imprisonment into a dominant feature of modern life for black Americans. Large numbers of black men are missing from their communities, unable to marry, unable to care for children or to see their aging parents. Many others suffer from permanent economic or psychological damage and struggle to find works after they leave prison. The anger coursing through America's streets over the past week has many causes, starting with the gruesome video showing the killing of George Floyd. But the anger has been building up for a long time, and it is in part about it is in part about anger of incarceration becoming normal. So before I even dig deeper into the George Floyd um, uh, scenario or tragedy, not even scenario, the George Floyd tragedy. What I just read to you is basic facts that I guess us in the minority community, us black people, us proud black people know too well. Every person, black person knows someone who unfortunately went away to jail, either on trumped up charges or just being a product of their environment, right? To the large population of white American citizens, I would imagine that their experience is different. Um, at least almost every black person has had a run in with some law enforcement, you know, where you thought that this could be the end, whether it happened or not, is maybe a passing thought that you had, because that's the norm for us. You know what I'm saying? We deal with these things every day of our lives. I've mentioned before, every time I go outside, I know what is out there for me or what could happen to me. And that's just something that I have to live with. Um, is it right? No. Is it fair? No. Um, but unfortunately, the way that the shit is designed is not for us. And with that knowledge and with those excerpts that I just read to you, it should give you a little inkling of the struggles of just being a live black, being alive, being black and being in America can bring, you know, like it is such a struggle just to exist with uh, poor socioeconomic situations, with um, uh, mass incarcerations, with harassment by police with harassment by white citizens who know that they can weaponize police. All of these things happen. You're given the short end of the stick in terms of maybe you're qualified for a position. You know, there's a joke that says you have to give your kid, a, a black, your black child, a white name. It's not a joke. I don't find it that funny, but it has been framed as a joke. You have to give your kid a white name because when it goes for a job interview and sends his resume in, if an employer sees a more ethnic name, 
they're less likely to hire them. These are the things that are ingrained into the fabric of black life, right? So, you know, with all these factors, that's when, again, I said it off the top. I'm so happy that right now in this climate, we are all using our voices, and I encourage everyone to keep using your voice. I encourage everyone to keep using your voice because these are the things that get brought to light. Um, George Floyd's killing was unnecessary. It was inhumane. It was disgusting. It was every other adjective, but he is just a product of the system that has been in place and woven into the American fabric. I saw, uh, uh, someone, a protester holding a sign and it really hit me. It said, racism is so American that protesting against racism seems anti-American and it really hit me i don't know if i'm quoting that correctly i'm going freestyle but it was something to that end and it really affected me because you would think common sense will say protest black lives matter and you know um we're tired of the killings we're tired of the uh, discrimination we're tired of profi- being profiled and yet you see so many opposers to it And you would think, well, isn't this common sense? These people are just saying we don't want to be killed. We want to be treated fairly. Why is there so much opposition? But when I seen that, it it just it made all the sense in the world. Racism is so American that protesting racism seems anti-American. So. Um, guys, I just want to, before I even go further into more of the George Floyd stuff, I just want to encourage everyone out there to keep using your voice. Keep using your voice because things won't change unless we are continuously vocal, unless we bring to light things that they try to hide in the dark. Um, and as long as we are unafraid to be vocal and use our platforms and 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 let these people know that we ain't for that bullshit. You know, we it's going to be the same old two steps. So the fact that we are doing that, I am so proud of. I am so, so, so proud of. Unfortunately, it had to come on the heels of another black man using his losing his life, his opportunity to be with his family, his opportunity to raise his children. But if the movement is started, it's so powerful. And I'm just so happy to be a part of it. So happy to be a part of it. So now I want to talk about uh, spend a little time on the officer, um, the man who took George Floyd's life. I want to I want to hone in on him for a little while. His name is Derek Chauvin. He worked for the Minneapolis Police Department for more than 18 years. He is the man who was filmed kneeling on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes before he died. He was fired from the police department and at first charged with third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Uh, Throughout it all, protesters in Minnesota and across the countries have demanded justice for Floyd and more accountability for Chauvin. He is due to appear in court later this month. And here's some information that I found about this man, Derek Chauvin, and then I sourced, I made sure I sourced real news sites. So this is where this is from CNN.com. Um, This information about Derek Chauvin. Before he knelt on George Floyd's neck, Derek Chauvin was the subject of 18 
prior complaints filed against him with the Minneapolis Police Department's Internal Affairs. Police confirmed the complaints were filed, but did not detail why they were filed or what they entailed. Only two of the 18 complaints were closed with discipline, according to a Minneapolis Police Department Internal Affairs public summary. And in both cases, Chauvin received a letter of reprimand. According to the Communities Against Police Brutality, which is a Minnesota nonprofit, Chauvin received, quote, oral reprimands for using a demeaning tone, derogatory language, and other language that merited discipline. Neither the nonprofit database nor the Minneapolis Internal Affairs Public Summary includes dates or descriptions that incited these complaints. But this is where the story gets a little deeper, at least for me. This is where it kind of like really, like it really made me take a step back. Derek Chauvin and George Floyd knew each other. How did they know each other, you might ask? He and George Floyd once worked shifts at the same nightclub. Both men, Floyd and Chauvin, worked security at the El Nuevo Rodeo Club down the street from the Minneapolis 3rd Precinct, according to former club owner Maya Santa Maria. Floyd worked some Tuesdays as extra security, and Chauvin worked as an off-duty police officer for the club for nearly 17 years. She says, quote, I would not characterize them as knowing each other, but we all work together and we all work together certain nights. And so they would naturally have crossed paths. So not only is this man a has a record of of being a, a poor policeman, poor public servant, using abusing his power to harass citizens, but the man that he ultimately killed, he knew that's how strong racism is. That's how strong the system is that has been designed against us. That a white man has no problem killing a black man that he knows simply because, one, he's been empowered to do so and because he's black. The, the victim is black. If, if you're going to ask me, do I believe that Derek Chauvin would have killed a white man he knew in that situation, I will strongly tell you no. Now, I don't know this man, but I I would 100% strongly believe that he would not. If he's already restrained in handcuffs, there's no, there's no other rhyme or reason why you would put your knee into his neck and press it there, especially if that man was white. Um, but then I wanted to review, this is where I was just in the information, I wanted to just get as much information as I could because initially, George, I mean, uh, the killer of George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, was was given a charge of murder in the third degree and second degree manslaughter. Now, I knew what murder in the first degree was. It was basically murder with the intent, premeditation. Basically, you make a plan and you execute the plan to take someone's life. That is murder in the first degree. But murder in the second degree and the third degree I didn't know. And I knew manslaughter was basically a quote unquote, my bad. Like I murdered this, killed this person, but it was not the intent. Maybe you crashed your car or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like you crashed your car, um, you lost control of the vehicle and someone happened to pass away as a result. You didn't intend to do that. It just 
sort of happened that way and a life was lost. But yeah, I had to do some research on murder in the third degree because I was like, what is that? What does that mean? So this is according to the Minnesota statute. Um, this is uh, on the Minis- This is free public domain information from the Minnesota legislature. Murder in the third degree in the state of Minnesota is described as whomever without intent to affect the death of any person causes the death of another by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and inventing a depraved mind without regard for human life is guilty of murder in the third degree and may be sentenced to imprisonment for not more than 25 years. So as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, hell no. They, they still protecting this motherfucker. They still protecting this man. You trying to sent, charge him with a crime that literally states without intent to affect death. When you saw this man get knelt on for eight minutes, I was like, they are still protecting this man. And as soon as I said that, literally, as soon as I said that to myself, I got a, a news alert that said his charge was upgraded to murder in the second degree. So I said, okay, well, I, I said, like it was like instant. As soon as I read that and I said that to myself, they still protecting this motherfucker. Then I had to see, okay, well, what is murder in the second degree? Because I got the alert. Murder in the second degree. According to Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, whoever does either of the following is guilty of murder in the second degree and may be sentenced to imprisonment for not more than 40 years. One, death of a human being with intent to affect death, but without premeditation or causes death of a human being while committing or attempting to commit a drive by shooting uh, in violation of Minnesota law. And I was happy. I was literally happy that I saw that and I had to get the information about it um, because I, I was so. But then you see, this is where it's like blurred for me. I'm happy that they upgraded his sentence. I'm happy that they um, took a more uh, s- severe form of punishment toward um, the former officer, Derek Chauvin. But. It isn't until and again, the the charge was upgraded due to public pressure, which is, again, going back to people using their voices. But if there was no public pressure, would he have been sentenced to or charged with murder in the second degree? Would he have? If the shit was just supposed to go the way it was supposed to go with all the video evidence with his prior record. He would have still gotten if without the public pressure, he would have still gotten a charge of murder in the third degree, which basically says murder uh, without intent and manslaughter, which is a my bad. Oh, my bad. I killed you. My bad. So I want to stress the importance of using your voice. I want to urge everyone to keep using it because it is so powerful. It is so powerful. Our voices are powerful. The things that we say and the things that we do have so much power. And if we are all unified together, fighting on the same accord, not falling victim to the, to the tricks, not falling uh, victim to the, the modes of deception to try to break our communities apart and not falling victim to 
the powers that be and the way that they rip us apart in terms of mass incarceration, uh, police brutality, uh, empowering white citizens to basically be terrorists, if you want to think of it that way. I do. If a white citizen knows all I have to do is call the police, the police going to show up and kill this guy. <laughs> that is terrorism. So as long as we are unified, though, together on one accord, and that's the biggest thing I want to stress. And as long as we are using our voices, we are so powerful as people. The The amount of things that we have gone through as a people and the fact that we just get stronger and stronger and stronger, they know that how much power we have. And that's why all these things are in place. I truly believe that. There's no other group of people who has gone through all the things that black people have gone through in the history of this country and continue to get stronger, continue to overcome. There's no other group of people who have done that. And that is why the system is the way it is. That is why they continuously try to rip people away from their families with mass incarcerations, with killing and with brutality. Because... You, we literally get beat up, beat up, beat up, and we still get stronger. We keep getting up from that mat. We never stay down. And that is why these things are in place, to try to keep us down, because they know that we will not stay down. So, guys out there, I just want to encourage everyone to continue to use your voice, continue to move without fear, and continue to make your, your presence known that you do not, one, stand for this brutality, you do not stand for racism, you do not stand for these killings, you do not stand for um, white citizens uh, weaponizing the police, you do not stand for w police officers being empowered to take black people's lives with basically immunity. And the more we let them know, the, the sooner they're going to have to listen. There's going to be nothing left to do but listen. And I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud of all you guys out there. I am so proud and I'm so happy that I have this platform, but I'm so happy that everyone else is using their platforms to invoke change. I'm so proud. I'm so, so proud of us. So, so proud of us. And I encourage everyone to continue. I encourage everyone to continue to do so. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to end on that. I'm going to end this part on that. I'm so happy and proud that I see so many people using their voices. And I'm going to encourage and continuously encourage people to continue. And I'm going to do so on this platform as well. And that, that is that on that. You guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S, Neighborhood, N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood, R-O-D-G-E-R-S, Neighborhood, N-G-H-B-R-H-D. No vowels in Neighborhood on Twitter. And um, I ask you guys weekly. Um, to send in questions, comments, concerns, feedback, anything that you have for me. If you guys listen to the show, um, it's not necessarily doesn't have to be questions. It could be constructive criticism. It could be feedback. It could be suggestions. It could be anything that you have that you want to express to to me. I'm open to receive all of it. Um, and again, I appreciate all the engagement that I have received from you guys in this early stage of the show. Um, and I really like that people are just listening 
um, taking their time out of their busy schedules or out of their daily lives just to give uh, this this guy from the Bronx with a microphone a listen. I truly appreciate it. So I'm going to answer some of the questions that I have received. The first one says, who is or who are your favorite actors and actresses? Well, my actors, if you heard, what was it, two episodes ago, my guy, Sam Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, and Denzel Washington, the, my namesake, or the guy I'm named after, those are the two, those are the two guys, those are my guys, my favorites, in my opinion, you know, everyone's opinion is different, but in my opinion, don't get no better than Denzel or Samuel L. Jackson, um, you know the cloth. I don't have to go through their list of awards and movies and successes in Hollywood. You you know the cloth when I say those names. Denzel and Samuel. So, you know the cloth. Um, my favorite actresses, though, are Uma Thurman and Regina King. Uma Thurman is most notably the bride, Beatrix Kiddo, in the movie Kill Bill 1 and Kill Bill 2 which are great movies. If you have not seen them, I suggest you see them. You watch them. They're great, 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 great movies. Um, basically, it's the story of a woman who is involved uh, in an assassination squad who is in love with the leader of the squad, um, Bill. And when she ultimately leaves the, uh, the crew and wants to live a life of her own and get married and all, she is uh, attempted to be, well, they attempt to murder, massacre her. They kill, she's in a church. I'm about to get married. And the, the team comes in and they basically kill everyone. Like they kill her husband. They kill the pastor. They kill all the, her family, her friends, everybody. And uh, the, the gunshots, the, the bullets that she has received leave her in a coma, basically. But she doesn't die. And then she wakes up in the hospital and then she exacts a plan of revenge to kill all of the people who have attempted to murder her um great great movies i really suggest if you guys have not seen them you got a lot of free time if you do kill bill one kill bill two you will not be disappointed she was also mia wallace in my favorite 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 movie pulp fiction you already know the vibes um but regina king no that's my girl Regina King, most well, I don't know, most notably, but she was in um, If Bill Street Could Talk, which was an uh, Oscar award winning film. She was in Ray. She was in Jerry Maguire. She was in Friday, Ice Cube and uh, uh, Chris Tucker. She was in Higher Learning, which is a great movie if you guys haven't seen that. Um, she's been in most recently The Watchmen, which is the HBO adaptation of the movie Watchmen, where she um, becomes a, a vigilante. Uh, she was in the HBO series The Leftovers, which is a great show. If you guys haven't seen that, she was in Twenty Four, the crime show with uh, what's homeboy name? I don't remember his name. Jack Bauer. That was his name in the show, and she was Huey and Riley Freeman in the motherfucking Boondocks. <laughs> Regina fucking King was Huey. The voices of Huey and Riley. In the motherfucking boondock. Shout out to Regina King. I love her. I think she's very, very talented. And she's super, super respectable. Super classy. I love her. I love Regina King. Shout out to her. Shout out to her. Um, The next one says, what is a habit that you wish you could start? Um, I would easily say flossing. Flossing. Because I don't do that shit. I have never done that shit. Every time I go to the dentist, 
Davy with that scraper tool, you know what they scrape the shit. They be in that motherfucker like Picasso. They be scraping my shit. And they always the dentist always says it to me, Denzel, you can come here for years. You gotta floss. You never I never have problems with your teeth, but you gotta floss. And I always floss like the first day after they give me the shit, like the, the shit. But once I run out of floss or once three days go by, I just stop doing that shit. But it is a habit that I, I, I do need to pick up. I, I do need to start doing that. Take care of my teeth. Take care of your teeth to take care of you. But to my credit, though, I'm, I never had a cavity in my life. I've never had any issue with my teeth in my life. Cavity free since 93. You feel me? Never had a cavity. But yeah, flossing. Flossing for sure. I need to start. That is something I need to get into the swing of. The next one says, what cheesy song do you love? Now, that is great. That's a great question. Like, I guess a song that's like kind of corny or been overplayed or people don't know, you know, people like, oh, that's just corny. Like, why are you listening to that? My favorite cheesy song, I would say, is What is Love by Hathaway. And I'm going to play a brief clip of it for you so you know what it is. But I love that song. Like, I could clean up to it. I could take a shower with it on. I could cook with it on. I love that song. And it's it is cheesy. It is. But I really love that song. So here it is. This is What is Love by Hadaway. That is like super, super corny. That's like in the top 10 of corniest songs ever. But I love that song. Like, I love that song. I love that song. It's so corny. It's so cheesy. But I love that shit. Like, I'll be cooking my food. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's really my shit. Like, I love that shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's really my shit. I'm going to listen to this shit right after I finish recording in full. Facts. And what the last one says, what always sounds like a good idea at what always sounds like a good idea at the time but rarely is. I I'm going to say for me and I might and I might be corny and trash but getting drunk. Getting drunk always sounds like a great idea at the time, but it never is a good idea at the time. Never. It never ends up being a good idea, I should say. Never. Yeah, I'm going to get fucked up. Yeah. You know, bottles on bottles, cups on cups of shit. And then you fucking, you're a mess. You're throwing up. You can't talk, right? You don't know how you're going to get home. You can't drive, of course. I don't drive anyway, but you can't drive. If you throw up in the Uber, they charge you like $500. Like, and then the next day you're hungover, your head is pounding, your stomach hurts, you got cotton mouth, you got to take, like, nah, man, nah, getting drunk is a really bad idea, but it always sounds like a good idea, always sounds like a good idea at the time, we get fucked up tonight, like, nah, but it never is a good idea, it never is, <laughs> and um, I want to play a clip by 50 Cent. Because everyone knows 50 Cent. And he basically is saying how he barely, he really don't drink no more and how he be faking it. Like how he be faking drinking just to make it look like he's still cool. And I'm going to start doing that shit because I, I honestly, I don't have no desire to drink anymore. 
Um, so I'm I'm gonna really um use these tips that he put out in, in my daily life. So this is Fifty Cent on the Breakfast Club, basically telling y'all how he how he doesn't drink and like how he fakes, like make it look like he be drinking, but he really don't be. I remember when you didn't drink? Yo, listen, I just figured this out, right? <laughs> I only need two cups. I'm drunk as a mother. <laughs> look, look, because my body is not really conditioned to drink, like, because I haven't drunk, like, I'm so lightweight, I'm like the featherweight champion of the world, like, I I put ice in the cup, <laughs> and then drink, because I needed to loosen up, even the champagne. I thought you were fake drinking all that time. I was for a while. Yeah, that's what I said. I said he's fake I had ginger ale. I, I had ginger ale. I had the whole... The whole uh, I seen you smoke, too, the other day. I seen Snoop pass you some, some smoke. Yeah, yeah. I didn't inhale. Damn, bitch. I didn't I just went like this. I do the same shit. It was all shit. like, you know... I just did that. Just kind of hold it so they think you did something. You blow it right out. I blow it you know, a Snoop is that he was so happy. He was like, "Yes, you got a drug problem. Now you got yes. a fucking drug problem. I gave him a drug problem." <laughs> I'm 100% using that shit. I'm 100% using that shit. <laughs> I'm be in the spot. Yo, can I get a ginger ale? Make it look like it's something, or get a just get a cranberry straight cranberry juice and make it look like it's something. Oh, you know, it's a little something, you know. And it ain't shit but cranberry juice. But by the end of the night. I'm going to be able to go home on my own accord. I ain't going to be throwing up. I ain't going to be worried about a high-ass Uber because I threw up in the backseat of the ride. And I ain't got ain't waking up the next day with no headache, with no stomach ache, with no uh, uh, need some Alka-Seltzer or whatever the fuck for a hangover cure. Like, nah, I'm cool. Thank you, 50 Cent, for those tips because I ain't drinking. Like, shit. I ain't drinking no more. I ain't drinking no more. And thank you again, guys, for the questions. I really, truly appreciate it. I appreciate all the feedback, all the suggestions, all the engagement, all the questions, all the constructive criticism. I truly, truly appreciate it. I'm really happy that you guys listen. And um, I'm, again, open to receive all suggestions, um, you know, and, and the fact that that you guys, one, listen to support and three, engage is really, really special. And it really means a lot to me. So. Um, feel free to send in the question, comment, feedback if you feel so inclined. And uh, I look forward to engaging with you guys more and more um, going forward. So thank you again. Next on the docket, I want to talk about Killer Mike, my brother, my man. I love that brother, Killer Mike. I really do. I love him. Um, I, you know, I played him in the intro. He's in the group Run the Jewels, but he also has a bunch of solo albums. And, um, you know, he's a musician. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he's a social and political activist. He focuses on subjects including social inequality, police brutality, and systematic racism, in addition to addressing themes of racism and police brutality in his music. He delivers several he has delivered several lectures at colleges and universities, and he has written about social justice for uh, for publications uh for numerous publications and he's been the subject of interviews regarding police misconduct and race relations and really like i mean i love him anyway and i i'm a big fan and i watch a lot of his things and i listen to his music and i consume a lot of the things that he puts out um but he really touched my heart in the way that he spoke in the wake of the unrest in atlanta georgia where he's from um and he got on that stage he spoke from his heart 
and it touched me like the way he spoke um the way the how measured he was how passionate he was but how he didn't lose his like he wasn't overcome by emotion he was able to speak in a coherent way um all all the while being very passionate and being very affected by the situations in the wake of the protest um due to George Floyd's untimely demise and um I want to play a piece of the clip that he had when he spoke um on that day just a just a small portion of it and we'll go from there but really like that is why I like listening to him because he is uh a, a, he's such a gifted speaker and a natural leader and he understands his platform he understands the power of his words and he understands how he can affect change in a positive way and i truly like i keep saying it but i love that brother like i really love that brother so here's a clip from killer mike um in atlanta georgia in the wake of the protest and the unrest due to george floyd's untimely killing in fact we will get better than we've been i can tell you is that if you sit in your homes tonight instead of burning your home to the ground you will have time to properly plot plan strategize and organize and mobilize in an effective way and two of the most effective ways is first taking your butt to the computer and making sure you fill out your senses so that people know who you are and where you are the next thing is making sure you exercise your political bully power and going to local elections and beating up the politicians that you don't like. You got a prosecutor sent your partner to jail and you know it was bull****. Put a new prosecutor in there. Now's your election to do it. You want a different senator that's more progressive that pulls marijuana through? Now is the time to do that. But it is not time to burn down your own home. I love him, man. I love that brother. I really do. I really, truly do. Um, if you guys are interested in um, in in hearing him speak more, um, I have a few uh, uh, ways that you can experience his his thoughts and his opinions. Um, they're all available on YouTube.com, so you know, free. You don't have to worry about paying for anything except for the last one. Um, you can watch his Breakfast Club interview, which is with, of course, DJ MV, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God. Um, it's available on YouTube. You could watch his Rap Radar interview with Elliot Wilson and B Dot. You could watch his Joe Rogan interview, um, which is a it's a really long interview, so he can be very thorough in the things and his opinions. Um, you could watch his Drink Champs interview with Nori and DJ FN. You could watch his uh po- his feature on uh, Expeditiously with Ti, which is Ti's podcast. And lastly, you can watch, he has a Netflix series called Trigger Warning. It's six episodes. It's one season so far. I believe they were renewed, but you can watch that on Netflix. Um, basically, in the show, he d- shows you different different problems and how, he can, how you can address them in your community. So one episode, he was only trying to buy black for three days, which means he would only consume products from black owned businesses or he would only use services by black owned businesses and he showed you the difficulties in just trying to buy black not only you know what i'm saying not like worrying about okay buy my food but if the food isn't raised by a black owned farm he can't eat it he wants to get travel somewhere he can't use a plane he has to you see how difficult it is for him he can't use a plane he can't use the public transportation because it's not black owned and he's showing you how difficult it is just to support black. Um, in other episodes, he's showing you how to acquire trades, how to get skills, 
how to educate yourself on basic things to support be self-sufficient for yourself like it's a great show it's only six episodes um if you guys have time if you guys want to see that um again his numerous interviews on breakfast club on rap radar joe rogan drink champs expeditiously with ti all available on youtube and uh trigger warning on netflix i truly truly love that brother and i stand with um i stand with him in his in his uh, activism because he is a real real uh beacon for change and for hope so shout out to killer mike and um we i look forward to whatever else you produce in the future shout out to him last on the docket i want to talk about drew Brees. now if you guys do not know drew Brees, he is the quarterback for the new orleans saints one-time super bowl champion um he is currently the league leader the nfl all-time leader in i believe touchdowns and passing yards so he's a very prolific quarterback um and basically he this is an instance of i guess a white person just who doesn't get it um before i start on here i want to mention that i'm very aware that drew Brees has done work in the community of new orleans louisiana where he currently resides and plays football um especially in the wake of hurricane katrina that is when he got to the team he was traded from the san diego chargers to the New Orleans Saints in the summer of 2005, and that's when Hurricane Katrina hit. I know that he did a lot of work in that community. I know he helped reestablish a lot of homes and a lot of businesses and contributed his own money and his time and gave the people of that city a platform and all those things. I am very much aware. I am aware of that. You know, maybe people aren't, but I am personally aware of that. Um, but this is just an instance of a white person who just doesn't get it. Like I read before and very top of the show, white people don't know the struggles of us black people because basically you live in a bubble um, for for a person like him or for any person who would non non black or or just non, you know, uh, a, another white person. They wouldn't know what we go through daily. Me trying to explain to a white person the fact that I know every single time that when I leave my house, I have a chance to be killed by a law, a, a, a official of the law is baffling to them. But it's just that is the life that we have. That's the that is the way that we have to are forced to live, unfortunately. But basically what he said in an interview with the Yahoo Finance channel was he will never agree with, quote, anyone disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. Um, but he stands with his teammates fighting for racial for racial equality and justice. But he also stands with the military past and present. This is just literally an example of a white person who doesn't get it. And he uh, brought the flag thing back up because the person had asked him, do you see the what Colin Kaepernick was trying to do when he knelt? for the singing of the national anthem in 2016, uh, which then, of course, led to Colin Kaepernick being ostracized from the NFL. Um, and then he went, he w told like a story about his grandfather who served in the military and blah, 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 kneeling for the flag is disrespectful to the military and this, that, and the third. And he's been getting dragged, and rightfully so. This is literally just an example of a white person who doesn't get it. Colin Kaepernick has said and repeatedly said during his time in the NFL while he was kneeling and 
after his time in the NFL. Kneeling for the flag is not a form of disrespect toward the military. Kneeling for the flag is not a sign of disrespect toward the fabric of America. Kneeling for the flag was an attempt to bring attention and eyeballs and uh, um, pressure on society as it relates to racial inequality, police brutality, and the treatment of non-white citizens in America. No one at any point, including Colin Kaepernick, especially Colin Kaepernick, ever said this was an attempt to disrespect the military, the veterans, the troops, the government, any other thing but bring attention to racial inequality, police brutality, and treatment of non-white citizens in America. At this point, everyone knows that, except apparently him who, again, this is the way that things are designed. These are the these are the ways that distractions are placed and brings people into different uh, scenarios. No one, Colin Kaepernick's message was very clear. But somehow, some way, it was flipped into he's disrespecting America to bring attention off of what, his stance was his stance has always been and always had always was and always has been i am kneeling because i want to bring attention to racial inequality police brutality and treatment of non-white citizens never against america the troops the veterans but it was twisted to make people believe that and that's how shit gets blurred that's how the line gets blurred it's a very clear message but somehow some way the line gets blurred so Drew Brees is talking about, oh, I have grandfathers who served in the military. Listen, nobody don't give a fuck about your grandfather, dog. Nobody don't give a fuck about your grandfather. What we don't talk about is, yeah, your grandfather was in the war and this, that, and the third. Sure, cool. Had When your grandfather go, went outside in his life, was he ever accosted by police unjustly? Was he ever brutalized unjustly? Was he ever put under arrest unjustly sent away to a, a, a penitentiary for a crime that he didn't commit there are so many black people in jail now for marijuana offenses but marijuana is legal on a large scale in large parts and sections of america there are people who have been able to amass millions upon millions by growing and distributing marijuana yet and still there are so many black people behind bars for that same thing your grandfather doesn't know anything about that. So, yeah, okay, cool. He served in the war. That's great. Kudos to him. But the stance has never been against people who go to war. The stance has always been against racial inequality. Drew Brees yourself, I guarantee where you reside or where you live, either in New Orleans or if you live in another location in the off season, when you walk up and down the street, you never have that idea in your mind that someone will come and accost you on the grounds of racism so you literally live in a bubble and the fact that you the nfl statistically is 70 percent black and you still don't understand that is 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 beyond is beyond appalling now of course they issued an apology and the cleanup and all this shit but what you said is what you meant. And you just don't get it. All you had to do, 
honestly, Drew Brees, all you had to do was say, I'm a white man in America. I will never know the trials and the tribulations that being non-white in America brings. I've never been accosted by the police. I've never been uh, had the police called on me just on the matter of suspicion. I've never been given unfair treatment due to the color of my skin. So I do not understand the plight of these citizens. But what I want to do is learn. And I want to try to use my platform to uh, encourage change in our communities. That's it. That's all you had to say. You profess your ignorance, but you still say, I'm willing to learn. No one gives a fuck about your grandfathers who served in the war. No one cares. No one cares about your fucking grandfathers. Who cares? America was built on uh, uh, theft of land. European settlers came over and killed all the aboriginal people to settle the new land for themselves. The Revolutionary War only happened because, quote unquote, Americans were unhappy with treatment by the British governing bodies, which led to the Revolutionary War. So all and America was built on slave labor. Let's stop. Let's act. Stop acting like we don't fucking know, man. Stop acting like we don't fucking know. The White House was built by slaves. The way that people have amassed their wealth, quote unquote, old money, if you subscribe to that term, which means generational wealth was built on the blacks of on the backs of slavery. But we never talk about that. We never talk about that. About the, the founding of America and how it was built upon slave labor. We never talk about that. Colin Kaepernick didn't bring that up. He said, I'm kneeling for the flag for racial inequality. You making it about disrespecting America. America has disrespected us for the better part of 400 years. So this is just a situation of a white person who not only doesn't get it, but doesn't want to get it. And is only remorseful when the eyes of the public turn negative. These are the things that have to be eliminated in order to invoke change. Drew Brees has been surrounded by too many black people, has heard the stories about too many black lives, and has been surrounded by black people for too long to still not understand. Colin Kaepernick sacrificed his career for that. He sacrificed his career for that just to bring attention to something. That you still don't understand four years later. That you still don't understand in the wake of these police killings. In the wake of George Floyd. You still don't understand it. So it's not a matter of that you don't understand it but you want to learn. It's a matter of that you don't understand it and that you do not want to understand it because you live in your bubble. And you're so comfortable in your bubble. So my suggestion, Quinn, he's being dragged and he deserves it. I mean, he deserved to be dragged. Sometimes you have to get taught that lesson hard before you learn it. When I was a kid, sometimes you had to get your ass whooped before you before you learn. So, you know, he's out here making all these pleas for 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 forgiveness and all that. And we can forgive, but we damn sure won't forget. And if you had to get your ass whooped for you to learn a lesson, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you had to get dragged raked through the coals people had to call you out on your bullshit because it was bullshit that you literally had to go through that to learn 
And if that's the case, so be it. But if I'm, I hope that you learned your lesson this time. I hope because it's just, it's not a matter of if you just say, listen, I don't understand what it means to be black because you don't, that's just a statement of fact. I don't understand what it means to be black. I don't understand the plights of these citizens, but I want to learn. That's it. That's all you had to say. But you are you are just so comfortable in your bubble and the way that you live. And you've allowed your mind to be warped by the media or whatever the system in place to where you thought Callan Kaepernick was disrespecting America and not for police brutality and not for uh, treatment of non-white citizens that you had to say what you said. And I'm so glad that people use their voice. It's all correlated. You keep using your voice so people like that who are just ig- willfully ignorant could get their asses handed to him for a quick, real quick. I, now, again, I don't think that he should not be able to play in the NFL. He's expressed his remorse. And this is probably just a hard lesson learned for him. You know, I, I don't I'm not going to go as far where he should be fired or whatever. But no, because he's just been he was just ignorant and he has been dealt a hard lesson. Um, But yeah, man, sometimes you got to get whooped. Sometimes you got to get your ass whipped before you learn. So this is a case where we literally whooped his ass, not physically, of course, but we let his we let our presence known that you can't say bullshit like that and let us and it be able to slide. No way. Not not now. Not after all these things that have just transpired. You cannot no longer be willfully ignorant. No longer. No longer. No longer. We will not stand for it. We will not. We will not. And that is that on that. That is that on that. Also, shout out to Colin Kaepernick. I want to give a, a, another special shout out to him because he had the foresight to to use his voice early when people were afraid to do so, when people weren't as willing to do so. And he said, this platform, my platform or the, the, the things that I want to do, the way that I want to affect the world is bigger than throwing a football. And I want to give a special shout out to him for that. He sacrificed his career, multi millions upon millions of dollars for that. And that has to be said. And um, it is truly appreciated. <laughs> truly appreciated. So love to Colin Kaepernick. And that will wrap it up. Episode number 18 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I am your host. Once again, my name is Denzel. Thank you to everyone out there who is continually using their voice using their platforms, speaking their minds, and using resources to positively affect change in this country. We are so strong together that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We are the most str- the most strong, We and we are so strong when we are united. We are so strong when we are united. So, again, love. Um, and appreciation to everyone out there continuing to use their voice to affect change. I will continue to do so on this platform. Um, and I'm just so proud of everyone out there who has has really been in these streets letting their voices be heard. I'm so proud of all of y'all. So proud of all of y'all. 
I'm going to fade you guys out with a great, great song. It is called The Corner by Common off of the album B. Be safe out there. Um, Continue to use your voice and we shall overcome. This has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode number 18. We out. With the foes in the moles, watch up the store for the rose, talking straight forward to hoes. Got uncles that smoking, some put blow up their nose to cope with the lows. The wind is cold and it blows. In they socks and they soles, niggas holding they rolls. Corners leave souls open and closed, hoping for more, but nowhere to go. Niggas rolling in droves, they shoot the wrong way, cause they ain't knowing they goes. The streets ain't safe, cause they ain't knowing the cold. By the foes, I was told, either focus or fold. Got cousins with clothes, hope they open some doors so we can not close and roll in the rolls. Now I roll in the O's with windows that don't roll. Down the roads with cars get broken and stole. These are the stories told by Stony and Cottage Grove. The world is cold, the block is hot as a stove on the corners. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling.